everyone, you're listening to Let's Talk Trees, a podcast brought to you by Sifari Craft. I'm Anggi Cahyaning Tias. On this episode, again, we are celebrating women across the globe as many of them have inspired the world to do better in environmental conservation. So to celebrate women's role in conservation works, we will talk to one of the young women conserving biodiversity in Indonesia, Shehrazad or Shera. Shera is the co-executive director of PROGRESS, a Sulawesi regional ecological conservation initiative, and they work with local communities in Sulawesi Island. This is home to many endemic species in the eastern part of Indonesia, and in fact, this island inspired Alfred Russell Wallace to write his seminal work, The Malay Archipelago and the Theory of Natural Selection. Hi, Shera. Welcome to Let's Talk Trees. Hi, Angry. Glad to be here. So I will go straight to our discussion question now. Um, just to start our discussion, I'm sure that the audience also wants to know about the work that you do. So let us know. And also, why do you do that in Sulawesi? So first of all, uh, I'm from Sulawesi and I spent my childhood in the forest, basically, in Lorelindu National Park. So as far as I remember, I always wanted to be a person who worked in the forest for the animals that I've seen when I was a kid. At that time, I didn't know what kind of job was that. I've only known the only available job was being a government officer, for example, or a doctor. But then fast forward, I learned that by doing biology, ecology, I can be someone who worked in the forest. So since 2013, I've involved in a lot of things, starting by documenting the wildlife trade in North Sulawesi, particularly to see the trade in flying foxes. Those are the large fruit-eating bats. And then in 2014, I joined a, a grassroots organization called Alliance for Tompotika Conservations to protect the endemic Malayo bird. I joined as an ecologist, but as I was exposed more to the works, I realized it's not really about the wildlife, but more about managing human-related challenges and build connections with the community. So I kind of switched from an ecologist to conservation scientist and started to learn and involve more in interdisciplinary approach. For example, working on ecosystem service valuations, wildlife trade and policy, biodiversity, and sustainable development. So there are so many things, but in the end of the day, I decided to focus on bundling the power of science, my background, and community through progress that I co-found and collab with another amazing woman uh, called Ba'anim. So we are specialized in protecting threatened yet overlooked wildlife in Sulawesi. This K-looking island that's very famous for high level of endemicity, meaning many of the wildlife on Sulawesi cannot be found anywhere else in the world. And I think what we made, what make us to focus in Sulawesi compared to other areas of Indonesia, despite its unique geological history and high level of endemicity, Sulawesi received a low conservation attention meaning little research and few conservations. Within Sulawesi itself, conservation has focused on few famous species and in protected areas. 
where in fact, there are many other threatened species and outside protected areas. So since 2018, through progress, we want to complement and give more colors to existing conservation efforts. We realize also that science is important, but building connection with the community is key to everlasting conservation efforts. In where we work, part of community are not aware that the wildlife in their place can only be found in their areas. So we have worked to instill this sense of pride to have this wildlife, to create a sense of ownership so they will say no to hunters that used to take their animals and have them as the icon of their village. So there's this change that we've seen in the community that they have grown more appreciations toward wildlife. That's really cool. And I hope you keep doing what you do. You say that you work a lot with the communities. I really agree with your point that the human interaction with nature is key to conserving nature. So can you elaborate more on how you do that? How do you engage more people? So with the community, it's not really like that formal framework that we undertake in the field. But at first, we just work in a way that they see us as a human being. And we've also seen them as someone that are similar, you know, that we are just human beings that can care about nature. So I spent a lot of time in the field and also my team, Banim, spent a lot of time in the field just to getting to know each other. They were very confused that why I stay on an island full of millions of mosquitoes. And then it's it become the start of a further conversations of like, Sarah, why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself as a victim of these mosquitoes? So that's where I can elaborate more what, what I'm doing and why it's all worth the effort, you know, to stay on the islands, to study the bats on that islands. And over time, there's a connections with the community. And then we can have more activities like beach cleaning, tree planting, all those more kind of formal activities. But at first, that building connections at the personal level was the approach that we've imparted in all our programs. That's really interesting. Thank you, Shara, for sharing. A really good point that you come to their village, living in the island with thousands of mosquitoes <laughs> and really be one of them. That's incredible. So I feel like your work is pretty challenging. Is there anything that you feel uniquely women when you do your conservational work? Yes, of course. And this is something that I'm always excited to share. I think first was that being underestimated and considered less aware of the issues. So being mansplained is kind of always happen at the first encounter with new people. But to address this with my partner, we agreed to, in to introduce each other credentials in every introduction. So my partner will introduce me as a person who had 10 years of experience and a degree in conservation. And likewise, I will introduce her as someone who has 20 years of experience in conservation. So we won't be underestimated at the first encounter. And second will be, it's 
I was teased or made fun a lot of not being strong enough or suitable to go and spend time in the forest. In the community where we work, actually women also go to the farm. But then these days for young girls, they mostly stay at home. So it's very confusing for them that me willing going to the forest. But it's not really that I need to overcome this, but I use this opportunity to start the conversations with them about what I'm working and why I'm doing it. So they also became so surprised that, oh, Sierra can follow me in the forest and it, it make us get uh, closer. And I think other things were field work related challenges, like having a period in the field where no enough water is available, it was a nightmare. And then my last field work was I went to Talaut Islands and we need to take one night boat. It was very wavy and it was my first day of period. So like holding myself in a tiny toilet while changing my path, it was a something and a story that I feel that women across the world resonate. So this kind of challenges of doing conservation works. Great story. Thank you for sharing. And I also felt that whenever I go to the field, um, trailing the scientists because I do communication work with them. So um, based on your experience, uh, what kind of support then are needed to enhance women's role in environmental conservation, Shara? This is a great question, Angie, and I hope it can uh, inspire more conservation uh, organization and the way they work. So I, I was a little bit sad every time I look at the job applications and environmental conservations, they always put oh, like only or prefer men. So I would like to have more organizations to eliminate these only or prefer men requirements and job applications to give equal opportunity for both men and women. And in many cases, I think NGO organizations need to make conscious decisions to give opportunity to women, to recruit more women, because sometimes they may look as not qualified as men, but it's not because they're not capable of, but it's more because of the society that was previously designed for men. So it benefits more men. It makes men look like more qualified. So in many occasions, I think give it a shot trust more women, recruit more women, give opportunity more to them. And another thing that anybody can do is that to do extra work to protect women in the field. Sometimes what make organization unlikely to have women in the fields because of safety issues, they should not be used to justify of not employing women, but instead to use it how to make more people that can protect them, develop SOP to create such a safe working environment for women in the field for everybody. And I think the last things that the organizations that we can do is to incorporate gender lens in research and environmental conservation from analyzing gender desegregated data and even to finding the right time for women to attend focus group discussions and to feel safe to speak understand to allow us understanding the problem more holistically. So in few occasions, scientists will make uh, focus group discussions 
But then women in the village have a lot of things to do, like they need to cook in the morning, in the afternoons, late in the afternoon, and they're not able to do it. And because of the gender, uh, because of the power imbalance, they were very unlikely to speak when it's a room dominated by men. So in a way that having this gender lens in our approach will also ensure more women voice being heard. So our interventions to conservation problem will be more beneficial also, not only for men, for women, for the society as a whole. Thank you, Shara. I agree to all your insights. They're all very relatable <laughs> for me as well as a woman. So I love this discussion, but we have to keep the time. So last, just to wrap up this podcast, do you have any message to our fellows women in conservation? Well, thank you for doing what you're doing. You are all inspirations to other women. And I believe an inspirations to young girls that our job exists that women can be out there exploring forests and following wildlife. And I also would like to suggest mentorship. Science shows that mentorship is key to keep women in their career path. So those who are more seniors can mentor women, more women, and for juniors can become mentee and actively look for other women who can mentor. I also believe that we need to look for a strong supporting system, empower women to empower other women, and do a simple thing as simple as acknowledging and mentioning other women in the meeting, referring to their opinion, consciously recommending more women. So these are my messages to fellow and women in conservation. But yes, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you, Shara, for doing what you're doing, too. Um, your story is really inspiring. It really speaks to me. Um, as a person who works in communicating science, um, also speaks to me as a woman, and hopefully it speaks to our audience, too. I hope um, your conservation work in Sulawesi really goes through smoothly. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Sarah, for being with us. And to you, um, our audience, thank you for listening. See you on the next episode and take care, everyone. Bye.